Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Say this for Scott Thompson. The man has timing. Anybody who booked this week and last week for vacation has got timing. I've got next week and the week after off, and I looked at the Weather Network long-range forecast, and guess what next week is supposed to be like? We may see a return of Noah and his ark next week, according to the early long-range forecast. Scott Thompson, vastly better timing than me. Hope he has a good vacation. Uh, bottom of this hour, we are going to be chatting about cannabis, and I'll tell you why we're chatting about cannabis. Because there is a new report, a new thing in a pro-cannabis magazine suggesting Canada may have legalized the stuff before we had studied it sufficiently. And now those of you who are users in this country are basically guinea pigs in an experiment to find out what happens when people use it. That may be an overstatement, but that's what they're saying. We're going to talk about whether that in fact is true and what does that mean for you if you are a smoker. I'd love to know how the Scott Thompson slash Scott Radley show sounds when you're totally high on cannabis. But you know what? We'll wait for another day for that one. Like, is it like playing the Pink Floyd, the dark side of the moon backwards, listening to the show when you're high? I don't know. Let us move on to something slightly different than that, though, I hope. Let me tell you, just before we get into this, what we know right now about what's going to happen with school in the fall. There you go. Got it? Yeah. No, we don't know much. Uh, There are various options the government has laid out that we may be doing. They're saying that different school boards can do different things depending on their situations, but we don't have a whole lot that's concrete right now. And I'm not entirely sure this is the government's fault, um, only because we still don't know what's going to be happening. So making concrete decisions on what the situation is going to be like with COVID, very, very difficult. Um, And if the government gets all preemptive and says, you know what, we're worried about it, so we are going to do everything online, parents, some parents, some teachers will go nuts. And if we say, well, no, we're going to put everybody back in school, parents and teachers, some of them will go nuts. So, you know, maybe better just to wait until there's some sort of certainty, unless, unless you are one of those parents who's sitting there in July in a heat wave and already thinking about September saying, what the heck is going on? Rachel Hewat with the Ontario Parent Action Network joins me now. Rachel, thanks for doing this today. Thanks for having me. We're in July. As I said, it's a million degrees outside. People's shoes are melting on the pavement and not exactly thinking about school kind of weather. But are you getting to that point where you're starting to get a little skittish and starting to think about what's going to happen yet? I would imagine yes. I mean, sure. I think I think school hasn't really left most parents' minds uh, since since they were shut down in March, to be honest. Uh, School is such a core part of our kids every day, uh, as well as a necessity for for most parents who are working. Do you have kids that are in school right now? I do. I have, uh, well, they're not in school right now, but I have two school-age kids. uh, That's what I mean, yes. Yes, and uh, a a preschool child. So what, with, with those who were in school, in as much as they were in school, because it was very complicated. What was what was yours? What was their experience in the time between the lockdown starting and the school year officially ending? I think it was rough. Um, I think education workers tried their best um, without without much in the way of support to prioritize connecting with their kids in in whatever ways uh, children and parents could. 
Um, but the fact is that it really required quite intensive support from parents. Um, yes, it's a matter of do you have not just a device in your home, but when you've got two kids, that means, and, you know, I also use a computer for work, that you need access to a device for each person in your family. You need somebody sitting there with, with the child, uh, able to support the child through academic work, which I know I struggle with. Um, so I think you saw education workers trying their best and, and valuing connecting with children, but, but kids and parents alike really struggling to support kids through that homeschooling. And anecdotally, is that what you heard from other parents as well? Were you getting a similar point of view from a lot of other people that it was a real struggle? Absolutely. I think the, the pr- predominant feeling from parents in all kinds of situations, whether you were um, at home with multiple children or you were at home trying to work or you were an essential or frontline worker going out to work, that it was a real struggle to, to properly support children. Do you, get the, do you get the sense that there was any difference in the experience between elementary students and high school students simply because high school students, theoretically, you would hope, would be more capable of doing a little more independent work at, at the time and, and you know, the availability that they have. Yeah, I mean, for this one, I'd, I'd probably say my connections are, are primarily with uh, parents of kids in elementary school. My oldest is 12. Um, so I have a little bit of a sense of, of the work being done in, more independently at that age. But I think the struggles are also different um, as, as kids get older. And it doesn't make it easier. They just, the struggles change. So let us, uh, and I again, I, I apologize to anybody who does not want to think about Labor Day and uh, September yet because they're enjoying the weather, but bear with us. Um, looking forward to the start of school, to the beginning of fall, in your mind, would what we dealt with, was would that be acceptable if that was again what happened when school starts? Yeah, I think, you know, I heard you at the, before we spoke, um, speaking about some of the questions um, that make planning for school difficult. And I, I definitely share those concerns. Um, and I think that, you know, I don't think that schools should unequivocally be opened. Um, we have to be listening to, to medical experts on what the virus is doing in our communities. But I think that the fact is, no matter what the situation that this provincial government has to properly fund and prioritize public education. And the reason that their plans leave us all silent is that they attached very little funding. And by that, I mean seven cents per student per day in COVID-related education funding has been announced. There is no safe, equitable, uh, fair, logical plan that boards can develop with that kind of funding. Given the funding crisis we were already facing, given the massive budget cuts this government had already made to public education, uh, I mean, it does sound it does sound very low when it's seven cents, and, and I, I mean, I don't I've not heard that number before, but that is a um, th- you know that's a very low number if that if that is a real one. So, what is the um, you know money has been spent? Certainly, governments at all levels have been spending money like it's going out of style to try and keep everybody afloat these times. Uh, I'm, I'm not asking you how much instead of seven cents per person or per day should be there, but this sounds like it would be an expensive proposition, though. There's no question to do this quickly and to do it right. Absolutely. Uh, I think that it will require and it does require a major investment in education. 
um, to be able to open safely. So I think that would mean repurposing space, opening up schools that have been closed in order to meet um, guidelines around really small class sizes of 15, for example, the education minister sites. And I know that my my kid who's in grade six has been in classes of more than 30 for the past three years because there's no class caps. So really seriously pushing uh, the idea of opening up space so that kids can go to school uh, in sm- with smaller class sizes, hiring more support workers. Um, there are nowhere near enough caretaking staff to deeply clean schools. Honestly, it's a joke to parents to say that there are that there's sufficient caretaking for uh, for those caretakers to be able to do things like clean high touch surfaces. Like, not going to happen. Um, we have schools that are in really seriously bad um, condition where things like ventilation come up um, and come up. That you know, those needs are magnified when you're talking about about the COVID virus, and that that's somewhere that this government needs to be putting money. Um, and I think we really see the priorities of a government when they refuse to put money into public education. And I think that you know we're watching so much reopen, um, yet so little consideration be put into not just schools but also daycare. The the, the government's reopening plans for for daycares a few weeks ago were a total disaster. Um, and then also, you know. Kids come from families, as we know, and they come from communities. Why Why is the premier resisting calls for paid sick days? Like, parents are going to send their kids and going to need to send their kids to school sick if they cannot access paid sick days. If, our, if kids need to be at home learning, is this government going to be providing income supports and instructing employers um, to give parents leave? These are all questions that... We don't really have, parents don't really have the privilege of not thinking about because it's summer. And these are questions that the government could absolutely and needs to be uh, figuring it out right now. And I would say, you know, to people like me, um, to parents, that we need to demand this of the government and we need to be telling our MPPs who are conservative or liberal in the NDP um, that these are the issues that we value and these are the issues that are important that we need to figure out now. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. What about the uncertainty, though, on this? And and I say that because, okay, so we make plans then to have uh, closed schools or create new space or whatever, and then September rolls around and we discover that, well, that's still not safe enough because there's a second wave or something, and so now we must do everything online again. Um, it, it, it certainly creates a much more complicated scenario, I would think, for any government to try and figure out what to do when you don't know what things are going to look like two months from now. Yeah, I mean, the government's framework or, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a plan because they, there's so many questions um, around, around education. Gave three options, just didn't attach any funds to any of those three options. So, you know, why wouldn't you take the opportunity now? We know that, you know, it's it's going to require a massive amount of funding, but but also um, rethinking and getting creative about about how to keep kids and education workers safe in schools. Use the time we have now and develop and fund those three plans so that come fall, we can listen to uh, medical experts on, on whether it's safe for our kids to return to, to open schools. 
Do you this think there's moment, time? They can't return safely to school. No. And, and Rachel, do you think there's time? Because, I mean, we are talking about two months and whether it's one plan or three plans or, you know, you mentioned things like venting systems and, and other, you know, uh, issues with school. I mean, even even in utopia, is there time in two months to put all that into play? I mean, I think that, that, you know, life has really changed under COVID. I think we could probably both spend a lot of time talking yeah, you know, both no on kidding. a personal level and, and sort of more broadly um, where we live in our communities, how, how quickly things have changed. Uh, and so I do think that if the government was serious about kids attending school safely, it could, um, you know, dig in and, and really uh, make some progress in those plans in the next two months for sure. Is there an excuse if we get to September and there's still uncertainty about COVID? And I fully expect there will be. I, I'm at this point, I, you know, I, I've sort of given up on guessing when there won't be uncertainty. So we'll, we'll assume that there's going to be still uncertainty. When September rolls around, if there's still uncertainty, is, is there any excuse for that? I don't think there's an excuse for not funding education. And I don't think there's an excuse. Uh, for leaving families with no safe options for childcare if they're being asked by this very same government to return to work. The, okay, so let us, let us play um, again that let, let's say the government provides that funding. Uh, whether or not they do is another question, but let's say for the sake of argument, they do give that funding and say we're going to come through. There's also the the fact here that we have um, it has to be implemented somehow, which means boards and teachers. Are we expecting that teachers are going to be spending much of their summer vacation working on implementing these plans as well, so they are ready for the fall? I think I think teachers uh, and and other support staff within schools are pretty much in the same position as families right now, so you know, that, that school is still very much on their mind. Uh, and uh, I, I think absolutely that education workers are prepared to, um, you know, do what it takes to, to have kids in school safely. Let me back up for to something else, because I know that kids were technically in school from March until the end of June, technically. And as you said off the top, you know, some people talked about that it was a great experience and it worked fine for them and other people, it was a real challenge. I get the sense that more were in the latter category, which means that students may have lost a quarter or a third of their year, realistically. How do, as a parent, as someone who's got young kids and they're not in high school yet, but that doesn't matter. I mean, they're still getting to that point. What do we do to try and catch them up on the stuff that they missed, the, the, the foundational stuff that they missed, while also in the fall trying to get them the curriculum they're supposed to be learning? How do you double up? I mean, I think the most important thing that we need to look at and, and, and you know, take into account is, is how our kids are doing. And kids have had really different experiences of the pandemic based on um, the situation that their families were in. Um, and I think we we need to we need to really look at the the full well-being of students when they attend school. So um, that would include things like um, increasing supports that are available, mental health supports to to children, um, class sizes, so that education workers and teachers can actually pay attention to kids, and 
expanding and strengthening food programs that are offered in some schools. Every school should have a free food program so that kids and parents know that that the kids are fed when they attend school. Uh, The board should be given money to hire public health nurses so that some of the pandemic management that schools are going to be expected to do can actually happen um, by done by a public health nurse. Um, And then I think in terms of the academics, um, I do think the kids are going to be okay. And and one thing that that was really clear to me when I was trying to help my kids learn was that that uh, I'm not a teacher and uh, I need that those skill sets that that teachers have to to catch to catch our kids up. It is uh, it is not a it's not a simple one. There is absolutely no question about this one. And we will um, we will see what ends up getting respond get, getting done by this and where we are in, in the fall when school starts again. Rachel Hewat with the Ontario Parent Action Network. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, and, and and here's the thing. The question I asked at the end there about what do we do with the kids who lost a chunk of their school year? Talk to a number of teachers. And they're very frank when, when the, when it was determined that when school basically shut down and went online in March, especially for high school kids, your grades on that day, I think it was March 13, were locked in. You could choose to not do anything further. And those were the grades that you would get. Many, 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 many students did nothing else, which means that when they come back in September, those who really did the work and committed themselves and those who didn't do anything after that are in two different groups. So a grade 11 student is not the same as another grade 11 student. They're, they're just not even the same thing. And so how are you going to teach a grade 11 class or grade 10 or grade 9 or grade whatever when a number of your students are where they should be and a bunch of others are far, far behind and you're teaching all of them together? You're going to frustrate the ones who are ready to move on or you're going to frustrate the ones who are way behind and now don't have a clue what you're talking about. We, this is a massively complicated issue that, uh, frankly, I don't certainly have an answer to. And I don't know that anybody has an answer to it, except that we all admit that it's very complicated and nobody has an answer to it. Well, there you go. Nobody has an answer. What's the answer? Nobody knows. We just go in a circle. But there has to be an answer at some point. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.